And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. Who's that strange-looking man behind you? That's Carl. I met him at the laundry, man. Sam Spade Detective Agency. Sam, sweetheart. I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The Lone Ranger, uh, the Shadow, the Master Avenger. Uh, this is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the incomparable Lisa Wolf. I thought you were going to say incompetent. (laughs) So close. In this hour, Orson Welles stars in a terrifying tale on the Mercury Summer Theater from 1946. But first, it's Name That Tune. Lisa Wolf Cullen will play short clips from popular songs. And a Hollywood 360 listener contestant named Bill and I will try to name that tune. Right, Lisa? Right. We have Bill on the phone from Norwich, Illinois. Hey, Bill. Hey, Bill. Happy Halloween, Carl and Lisa. Happy Halloween to you. Same to you, sir. Excited to have you on the line. We're going to be talking uh, Paul Simon. Uh, He was a solo artist. He also had a duo with... uh, Simon and Garfunkel, of course. We're going to play some of his songs. As soon as you know the title, just shout it out, mm. and we'll see how you guys do. I'm not going to do well. Well, you usually don't, so I'm not going to argue I, with you. I don't you. really know any of their songs. You'll know all of these songs. Yeah, but not the titles. You do, too, know these. Uh, You'll know these. Bill, what do you think? I'm not an expert on uh, Paul Simon, but I think I've got a chance today. You do. All right. you well, you always have do. a chance with Carl. So right. here's the first song. <laughs> Shout it out. <laughs> Me and Julio down yep. by the schoolyard. There it is. All right. Ding, ding. <laughs> Mike's got Way it. Way to go, Bill. This is 1972. Carl, you know this song? Yeah. But I'm I don't know the name of it. This is from his second self-titled studio album, 1972. Me and who? Me and Julio, down by the schoolyard. What were they doing? I don't know. What were they doing? I don't know. You have to listen and find out. They're probably up to no good, I'll tell you that. What do you know about that? Because when I was in school... I got in a lot of trouble. I mean, did you? Doing what? I mean, you know, it's just. That's me and Carl. Here it is. You know, here's the thing. I didn't like, like, school from, like, kindergarten to, like, sixth grade. Then I kind of liked school, and then I really loved college. But I I didn't really care for early school that much, you know? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? All right, we're going to move on. I'm going to leave that Bill, alone. <laughs> Bill knows what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, Mike is your yes man, so Mike knows what you're talking about. <laughs> All right, Bill's up one zip. All right, here's the second song. Oh, I know this song. 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. Here it is. Oh, man, Bill. Carl, you know this song. I know. It's a great song. Great tune. 50 it's my Ways favorite, to it's Leave It's my favorite your one lover. by him. <laughs> this is from the album called Still Crazy After All These Years, yeah. 1975. Gosh. Here it is. I was 12 when this came out. Lisa, you were 11. 
She said it's Thanks, really Carol. You're welcome. Throw you right under the bus. You always do. My meaning won't be lost on this construct. But I'll That's such a great myself. song. <laughs> At the risk of being crude, there must be fifty. And I write them like the Teddy Boy. Fifty ways to leave your lover. You just jump out the bad jack. Make a new plan, stand. You don't need to be coy, Roy. Just get yourself free. All right. Bill's All right. up. Bill's up. Two zip. Yes, he is. Two to zip. All right, next song, Paul Simon, 1977. I know a man. No idea. Yes, you do. He came from my hometown. No idea. Like these songs are telling a story, you know? Yes, they are telling a story. I've heard it, but I can't place it. Something a long time or I've been old something or Nothing other. Nothing about being older or a long time. It's coming right here. I'm afraid that I will disappear. Here it is. Slip slide. Oh, slip sliding oh, away. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This was a huge hit. It was number five on the Billboard chart in 1977. I don't know what you guys were doing that year. I guess we both get the buzzer on that one, Carl. <laughs> yeah, Mike. He's a little slow this evening. Buzzer. Don't worry about it. <laughs> All right, we'll go Just to the next evening, song. I'm Just this evening. Song? Sometimes wow. you're a little quicker. Um, the next song, yeah. uh, ni- 1972. Mother and Child Reunion. That's right. Wow, Bill. Good job. You know this one, Carl? Yeah, but I, I can't remember can't the name. Get it out. It's a good song, too. Very talented. I mean, he's a great artist. I mean. Over and over again. No matter. Let's hear it, Carl. But I would not give false hope on the strange and marvelous. Come on, Bill. I don't hear you. I'm not going to try to sing. <laughs> I don't blame you. I mean, right. These are great songs, huh, Bill? Thanks, Carl. Just great. Oh, yeah. Man. All right. Next one. We, we could have had what? dinner with Bill yesterday. We I were know. in Norwich. Bill, we were in uh, Norwich. We, we went to Villanopoli yeah. for pizza. Yeah, and then we went to oh, see... Uh, I get pizza there all the time. It's oh, the it best. was delicious. We uh, we went to have pizza, and then we went to... What 13th was Floor 13th Haunted House. Floor Haunted House. Schiller yeah. Park. I love Villanopoli Pizza. It's my favorite. So we were right up your uh, Bill, neighborhood. We should have hooked up, my friend. <laughs> hooked up. <laughs> hooked up. We would have bought you a pizza, my, my friend. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> yes, All we right. would have. So Bill's up okay. three zip. Um, I think that'd be four, though. Oh, four? Okay. No, we didn't, we, neither one of us got that one. Oh, that's true. I think he's true. got three, that's three over. True. Okay. Okay, next song, 1966. Think back to the graduate. You were two and I was three. Scarborough Fair. Are you going to Scarborough Fair? Keep, keep guessing. No, wait a minute. No. <laughs> the other one. Parsley saves Rosemary in time. There it is. Gosh, Bill. Uh, this was... Were you a manager for them? Or did you, were you he a went on tour with them. No, I'm not even a big fan, but I just... Man. I know some of them. Uh, yeah, but I'll now that you hear the songs, song. don't you feel like a bigger fan? I mean, these are... These are great. You don't realize what great songs that he uh, wrote. I think you've got a point there, Lisa. Yeah. I agree with that. Wow. These are six all really good songs. You were two, Lisa, when this came out. I was three. Got it. 
<laughs> we all heard you the first time. <laughs> all right, we've got one more song for you, Bill. I've got none. That's right. Okay. Zero. All right, this is for you, Bill. Uh, 1973. If you took all the girls, oh, the there it is. Oh, man. You know this I one. Know this song. I know. Darn. This is from his album, There Goes Ryman Simon. Yeah. Ryman Simon. Kodachrome. So this is named after. Before we started, I was trying to think of. All the Paul Simon songs that you might yeah, say, like uh, "You Can Call Me Al" or "Sound of Silence" and things like that, and you threw you surprised me, but I got them. Well, I you like sure to be did. surprising. <laughs> so this is named after Kodak's now discontinued film, Brand yeah, Kodachrome. Right? Who you? I mean, do you use film anymore? No. Bill, do you even have a camera that takes film anymore, Bill? No. All digital. Right. I want to take you for I have a film camera. Do you use it? But don't I haven't in a while. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Back in the in the corners of the drawers. Bill kicked butt, man. Yeah. He really did. Boy, oh boy. Bill. That was awesome. Yeah. You're great, buddy. I'm going to well, send you your you. You're you got me on that one, though. No, you're, you did fantastic. I'm going to send you a four-CD set of the Twilight Zone radio dramas. I hope you enjoy it, Bill. Okay. Will do. Thank you Hi, very buddy. much. Thank Happy you. It was great to, great to have you on the Enjoy show your tonight. Halloween. <laughs> ah, thanks, buddy. All right. All right. Come back. It's Orson Welles and a terrific, scary tale on Mercury Summer Theater. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Orson Welles had a series called the Mercury Theater on the Air in the late 1930s. That's when he did the War of the Worlds, you know, Lisa? Yes. And then he rocketed, uh, skyrocketed to, you know, fame all over the place. And so he went to L.A. and he made uh, Citizen Kane. And But he always liked doing radio. So in the mid-1940s, he decided, you know what? I'm going to do the Mercury Theater again, but I'll do it as a half-hour series because the original one he had was an hour-long show. And he did a show called the Mercury Summer Theater. I don't know what it was the summer replacement for on CBS. It might have been Suspense. And it was like eight or ten episodes, and it was terrific. And he took all his favorite, you know, mystery stories. And one of his favorites, absolute favorites, was the hitchhiker. He had he had done that on suspense. He did it on a couple of other shows. It was written by Lucille Fletcher, who also wrote Sorry Wrong Number. And I interviewed her and she told me all about how this came about. It was just a tremendous story. But anyway, here's Orson Welles in The Hitchhiker on the Mercury Summer Theater, June twenty first, nineteen forty six. Good evening. This is Orson Welles. Your producer of a special series of broadcasts presented by the makers of Pab's Blue Ribbon. The Mercury Summer Theater of the Air. Ladies and gentlemen, the element of suspense is so vital to our story tonight that our sponsors, the makers of Pab's Blue Ribbon Beer, are omitting their usual commercial message during the intermission between the acts so that our play will go uninterrupted from spooky start to spooky finish. We of the Mercury reckon that a story doesn't have to appeal to the heart, it can also appeal to the spine. 
Sometimes you want your heart to be warm. Sometimes you want your spine to tingle. Well, the tingling, it's to be hoped, will be quite audible as you listen tonight to a classic among radio thrillers. Its author is one of the most gifted of all the writers who've ever worked for this medium, Lucille Fletcher, who wrote the greatest single radio script ever written. Sorry, wrong number. The title of this, her terrifying little tale of Gru, for this evening, is another spine tingler by name, The Hitchhiker. I am in an auto camp on Route 66, just west of Gallup, New Mexico. If I tell it, maybe it'll help me. It'll keep me from going crazy. But I must tell this quickly. I'm not crazy now. I feel perfectly well. Perfectly well. Except that I'm running a slight temperature. My name is Ronald Adams. I'm 36 years of age, unmarried, tall, dark, with a black mustache. I drive a 1940 Ford V8, license number 6B7989. I was born in Brooklyn. All this I know... I know that I'm at this moment perfectly sane. That it is not me who's gone mad. But something else. Something utterly beyond my control. But I must speak quickly. At any moment, the link with life may break. This may be the last thing I ever tell on Earth. The last night I ever see the stars. Six days ago, I left Brooklyn to drive to California. Goodbye, son. Good luck to you, my boy. Goodbye, mother. Here, give me a kiss, and then I'll go. I'll come out with you to the car. <laughs> oh, it's raining. Stay here at the door. Oh. Hey, what's this, tears? Oh, it's just the trip, Ronald. I wish you weren't driving. Oh, mother, there you go again. People do it every day. I know, but you'll be careful, won't you? Promise me you'll be extra careful. Don't fall asleep or drive fast. Or pick up any strangers now, on the road. Strangers? Don't you worry. There's anything going to happen. It's just eight days of perfectly simple driving on smooth, decent, civilized roads with a hot dog or a hamburger stand every ten miles. I was in excellent spirits. Drive ahead. Even the loneliness seemed like a lark. But I reckoned without him... Crossing Brooklyn Bridge that morning in the rain, I saw a man leaning against the cables. He seemed to be waiting for a lift. There were spots of fresh rain on his shoulders. He was carrying a cheap overnight bag in one hand. He was thin, nondescript, with a cap pulled down over his eyes. He stepped off the walk, and if I hadn't swerved, if I hadn't swerved, I'd have hit him. I almost did. Almost did hit him. Now, I would have forgotten him completely, except that just an hour later, while crossing the Pulaski Skyway over the Jersey Flats, I saw him again. At least he looked like the same person. He was standing now with one thumb, pointing west. I couldn't figure out how he'd got there, but I thought maybe one of those fast trucks had picked him up, beat me to the Skyway, and let him off. I didn't stop for him. Then, late that night, I saw him again. 
It was on the new Pennsylvania turnpike between Harrisburg and Pittsburgh. It's 265 miles long with a very high speed limit. I was just slowing down for one of the tunnels when I saw him standing under an arc light by the side of the road. I could see him quite distinctly. The bag, the cap, even the spots of fresh rain spattered over his shoulders. He hailed me this time. stepped on the gas like a shot. That's lonely country through the Alleghenies, and I had no intention of stopping. Besides, the coincidences, or whatever it was, gave me the willies. I stopped at the next gas station. Yes, sir. Fill her up, will you? Check your oil? No, thanks. Nice night, isn't it? Yes. It it, uh, hasn't been raining here lately, has it? Not a drop of rain all week. Oh, no? I I suppose that hasn't done your business any harm. Well, people drive through here all kinds of weather. Mostly business, though. Ain't many pleasure cars out in the turnpike this season of the I year. I guess not. What about hitchhikers? <laughs> hitchhikers here? Why, what's the matter? Don't you ever see any? A guy'd be a fool to start out to hitchhike on this road. Look at it. Then you never see anybody? Nope. Maybe they get a lift before the turnpike starts. I mean, you know, just before the toll house. But then it's a mighty long ride. Most cars wouldn't pick up a guy for that long a ride. This is pretty lonesome country here, mountains and woods. Yeah. You ain't seen nobody like that, have you? Oh, no, no. It's it's just a <laughs> technical question. Oh, I see. Well, uh, that'll be $1.49 with the tax. <laughs> thing gradually passed from my mind as coincidence. I had a good night's sleep in Pittsburgh. I didn't think about the man all next day until just outside of Zanesville, Ohio, I saw him again. It was a bright, sunshiny afternoon. The peaceful Ohio fields, brown with the autumn stubble, lay dreaming in the golden light. I was driving slowly, drinking it in, when the road suddenly ended in a detour. In front of the barrier, he was standing. Let me explain about his appearance before I go on. I repeat, there was nothing sinister about him. He was as drab as a mud fence, nor was his attitude menacing. He merely stood there, waiting, almost drooping a little the cheap overnight bag in his hand. He looked... He looked as though he'd been waiting there for hours. And he hailed me. He started to walk forward. Hello! Hello! I'd stopped the car, of course, for the detour. For a few minutes, I couldn't seem to find the new road. I realized he must be thinking that I'd stop for him. Hello! No, oh, I'm... Not just now, I, I'm sorry. Going to California? No, no, not today. The other way, I'm, I'm going to New York. Sorry. Sorry. After I got the car back onto the road again, I felt like a fool. Yet the thought of picking him up, of 
having him sit beside me was somehow unbearable. Yet at the same time, I felt more than ever unspeakably alone. Hour after hour went by. The fields, the towns ticked off one by one. The lights changed. I knew now that I was going to see him again. And though I dreaded the sight, I, I caught myself searching the side of the road, waiting for him to appear. You sell sandwiches and pop here, don't you? Yep, we do. In the daytime, but it close up for the night. I know, but I, I was wondering if, if you could possibly may have a cup of coffee. Black coffee. Not at this time of night, mister. My wife's a cooking cheese and beer. Well, now, uh, l listen, ju just a minute ago, there was a man standing here, right right beside here, and he was a suspicious-looking man. Henry! Who is it, Henry? It's nobody, Mother. Here's a fan of things he wants a cup of coffee. Now, Go back into bed. I, I don't mean to disturb you, but you see... I was driving along when I just happened to look, and there he was. What was he doing? Nothing. You've been hitting the bottle. That's, that's what's the matter with you. You got nothing better than do than wake decent folk out of their hard-earned sleep. Now get going. Go on. No, he, he, he looked as though he was going to rob you. I ain't got nothing in this stand to lose. Now on your way before I call out chair folks. All right, that's the first portion of The Hitchhiker, starring Orson Welles, uh, a story written by Lucille Fletcher. Um, she was great. She wrote so many scary radio shows. And she was actually uh, married, Lisa, to Bernard Herman, who did all kinds of music. In fact, he's doing the music on this particular episode. And Bernard Her Herman did a lot of music for, for Orson Welles and also for Alfred Hitchcock. Um, one of the greatest composer uh, composers of all time, Bernard Herrmann. They were married. Um, we're listening to it's really a masterpiece of suspense, The Hitchhiker. It was done on it was done on suspense and other shows, and we're listening to it on the Mercury Summer Theater. We'll get right back to it. Stick around. Hi, I'm Carl Amari. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, The Whistler, and Abbott and Costello, consider joining the Classic Radio Club. Each month, members receive 10 of the greatest classic radio shows of all time. As curator, the 10 shows I select will be the best sound quality and the most popular, along with a rare show sprinkled in to add to the fun. I'll also send you historical liner notes, plus photos of the radio stars. Members also receive an email each week with a link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show. The links never expire, so you can listen to Hollywood 360 whenever you'd like. The first month membership fee is only $1, with each additional month under $10. And you can cancel at any time with no obligation. By joining the Classic Radio Club, you're supporting this show, so we thank you very much. Join the Classic Radio Club at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Uh, we're playing a lot of Halloween programs. It's the month of October. That's what we like to do. Uh, Halloween's like my second favorite holiday, Lisa. You know that? Behind Christmas? Yeah, Christmas is my favorite. And then 
Halloween. I love the scary radio shows, you know? I mean, I'm a big detective fan, too, but mystery, there's nothing like a mystery show. Like, in this hour, we're tuning into The Hitchhiker. Next hour, Peter Lorre stars in a dramatization of The Lodger, you know, the story of Jack the Ripper. Uh, and then our fifth hour, it's The Weird Circle uh, story. Um, uh, I think it was number seven in the series called What Was It? And it's um, creepy. It's a creepy story um, about uh, invisibility. It's, uh, I think you're going to like it, Lisa. Um, you know, you wish I was invisible, don't you? Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. Remember that uh, producer we had? He wished I was invisible. That's for sure. The one here? Yeah, the yes. one who decided. Went down the halls because he, he couldn't, couldn't look at you He couldn't look anymore. at me anymore. He got yes. sick of looking at me. Mike hasn't gotten sick of looking at me yet, I don't think. I'm looking at a mirror right now. Oh. Mike <laughs> can't Mike, see you anyway. I mean, Mike, how long have we been working together, Mike? You've been the producer of this show for eons now. Uh, we worked on a project together in, in 2008, and okay. then I started producing the show 2013, I think. 2013. All right, so that's like going on, well, it's like 10 years. Yeah. 10 years. He hasn't gotten sick of looking at me yet, Lisa. Well, he didn't say that. You uh, said maybe that. Maybe his eyesight's bad. You know, uh, maybe, maybe he's just being nice. Bad. Maybe there I'm just you like, you maybe know. Maybe that works to your advantage, Mike. <laughs> I'm like a blur to him. You know, it's like. But you're right here. I mean, like, we're literally I, I a foot right and a half. Here. We're like a foot and a half away from each other. I, it's, I How know. do you do it? I don't know. Gosh. I don't know. Well, I don't know. I um, wonder the same thing all week. I don't know. Um, you have intestinal fortitude, Lisa. That must be it. <laughs> An enormous amount of patience, for sure. <laughs> How's your vision? Um, pretty good. Pretty good? All pretty right. good. We're listening to The Hitchhiker, uh, Orson Welles starring. Orson Welles, I love Orson Welles, one of my favorites. He's a little dramatic, though. So teeny, teeny, weeny bit dramatic. You know, he's like, I couldn't bear, even bear having him next to me in the car. You know, it's a little, uh, it's a little dramatic. But, uh, but he was great. All right, well, let's get back to it now. The Hitchhiker on the Mercury Summer Theater. I got into the car again and drove on slowly. I was beginning to hate the car. If I could have found a place to stop to rest a little, but... I was in the Ozark Mountains of Missouri now. Few resort places there were closed. I had seen him at that roadside stand. I knew I'd see him again. Maybe at the next turn of the road. I knew that... When I saw him next, I'd run him down. But I didn't see him again until late the next afternoon. I'd stopped the car at a sleepy little junction just across the border into Oklahoma, let a train pass by when he appeared across the tracks. He was leaning against a telephone pole. It was a perfectly airless, dry day. The red clay of Oklahoma was baking under the southwestern sun. Yet there were spots of fresh rain on his shoulders. I couldn't stand that. Without thinking blindly, I started the car across the tracks. He didn't even look up at me. He was staring at the ground. I stepped on the gas hard, veering the wheel sharply toward him. 
I could hear the train in the distance now, but I didn't care. Then something went wrong with the car. It, it stalled right on the tracks. The train was coming closer. I could hear its bell. I heard its cry, its whistle crying. Still, he stood there. Now I knew that he was beckoning. Beckoning me to my death. Frustrated him that time. The starter had worked at last. I managed to back up, but after the train had passed, he was gone. I was all alone in the hot, dry afternoon. After that, I knew I had to do something. I didn't know who this man was or what he wanted of me. I only knew that from now on, I mustn't let myself be alone on the road for one minute. Hello there. Hello. Like a ride? What do you think? How far you go? Amar- Amarillo. I'll, I'll, I'll text you to Amarillo. Amarillo, Texas? Yeah, I'll drive you there. Gee. Hop here. It's... Mind if I take off my shoes? My dog's killing me. No, go right ahead. Oh, gee, what a break this is. Swell car and decent guy driving all the way to Amarillo. All I've been getting so far is trucks. You hitchhike much? Sure. Only it's tough sometimes in these great open spaces to get the break. Yeah, I think it would be. But I'll bet, though, you could, if, if, you, if you got a good pickup in a fast car, you could... Get to places faster than, what well, we'll say, another person in another car. I don't get you. Well, you, you take me, for instance. Suppose I'm driving across the country at a nice steady clip of about 45 miles an hour. Couldn't a girl like you just standing beside the road, waiting for lifts, beat me to town after town, provided she got picked up every time in a car that was doing 65 or, or 70 miles an hour? I don't know. Maybe she could, maybe she couldn't. What difference does it make? Oh, no, no difference. It's just a crazy idea I had sitting here in the car. Oh, imagine spending your time in a swell car thinking of things like that. What would you do instead? What would I do if I was a good-looking fellow like yourself? Well, I'd just enjoy myself every minute of the time. I'd sit back and relax. If I saw a good-looking girl along the side of the road... Hey! Did you see him, too? See who? That man standing beside the barbed wire fence. I didn't see anybody. Right there. It was nothing, just a barbed wire fence. What did you think he was doing, trying to run into that barbed wire fence? There was a man there, I tell you. A a thin, gray man with an overnight bag in his hand. I was trying to run him down. Run him down? You mean kill him? I'm I'm trying to get rid of him. Or at least prove that he's real. But you, you say you didn't see him back there. You sure? I didn't see a soul. As far as that's concerned... Well, watch for him. Watch I... him the next time. Then keep watching. Keep your eyes peeled on the road. He'll turn up again. Maybe any minute now. There! Look there! Hey, how, how's this door work? I'm, I'm getting out of Did here. Did you see him that time? Did you no. see him? 
No, I didn't see him that time. And personally, mister, I don't expect never to see him. All I want to do is go on living. And I don't see how I will very long driving no, on look, you. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't know what came over me. Please, don't go. So if you'll excuse Please, me, Please, you mister. can't go. Listen, how'd you like to go to California? I'll drive you all the way to California. You think elephants all the way? No, thanks. Listen, please, just one minute. You know what I think you need, big boy? Not a girlfriend, just a good dose of sleep. There, I cut it now. No. No, you can't go. Leave your hands off of me, do you hear? Leave your hands Come back here, please. Come back. She ran from me. As if I was some kind of monster. A few minutes later, I saw a passing truck pick her up. I knew then that I was utterly alone. I was in the heart of the great Texas prairies. There wasn't a car on the road after the truck went by. Trying to figure out what to do, how to get a hold of myself. If I could find a place to rest, or even if I could sleep right here in the car, just a few hours and sleep, just along the side of the road. I was getting my winter overcoat out of the back seat to use as a blanket, just as a blanket, when I saw him coming toward me. Coming toward me, emerging from the herd of moving steer. I didn't wait for him to come any closer. Maybe, maybe I should have spoken to him then. Fought it out then and there for... Now he began to be everywhere. Whenever I stopped even for a minute for gas, for oil, for a drink, a pop, a cup of coffee, a sandwich. He was there. I saw him standing outside the auto camp in Amarillo that night when I dared to slow down. He was standing near the drinking fountain, a little camping spot just inside the border of New Mexico. He was waiting for me outside the Navajo reservation where I stopped to check my tires. I saw him in Albuquerque where I bought ten gallons of gas. I was afraid now. Afraid to stop. I began to drive faster and faster. I was in... in lunar landscape now. The great arid Mesa country of New Mexico. I drove through it with the indifference of a fly crawling over the face of the moon. And now he didn't even wait for me to stop unless I drove at 85 miles an hour over those endless roads. He waited for me at every other mile. I'd see his figure, shadowless, flitting before me, still in its same attitude over the cold and lifeless ground, flitting over dried up rivers, over broken stones cast up by old glacial upheavals, flitting in the pure and cloudless air. This morning, there's an auto camp here. It's cold, almost deserted this time of year. I went inside and asked if there was a telephone. I 
I had the feeling that if I could speak to somebody familiar, somebody that I loved, I could pull myself together. Number, please. Long distance. Thank you. This is long distance. I'd like to put in a call to my home to Brooklyn, New York. <clears throat> I'm Ronald Adams. The number is Beechwood 99970. Thank you. Thank you. What is your number? My number? It's, it's, it's 312. Albuquerque. New York for Gallup. New York. Gallup, New Mexico, calling Beachwood 99970. I'd read somewhere that love could banish demons. It was in the middle of the morning. I knew Mother'd be home. I pictured a tall, white head in her crisp house dress going about her tasks. It would be enough, I thought, just to hear the even calmness of her voice. Will you please deposit $3.85 for the first three minutes? When you have deposited a dollar and a half, will you wait until I have collected the money? All right. Deposit another dollar and a half. Will you please deposit the remaining 85 cents? Ready with Brooklyn. Go ahead, please. Hello? Mrs. Adams' residence. Hello. Hello, Mother? This is Mrs. Adams' residence. Who is it you wish to speak to, what? please? Who is this? This is Mrs. Whitney. Mrs. Whitney? I, I don't know any Mrs. Whitney. Is this Beechwood 9970? Yes. Where's my mother? Where's Mrs. Adams? Mrs. Adams, it's not at home. She's still in the hospital. The, the hospital? Yes. Who is this calling, please? Is it a member of the family? What's she in the hospital for? She's been prostrated for five days. A nervous breakdown. Nervous. Who is this calling? Nervous breakdown. My mother was never... <laughs> it's all taken place since the death of her oldest son, Ronald. Since the death of her... Oldest son, Ronald. Hey, what is this? What number is this? This is Beechwood 9970. It's all been very sudden. He was killed just six days ago in an automobile accident on the Brooklyn Bridge. Your three minutes are up, sir. Your three minutes are up, sir. Your three minutes are up, sir. 
Sir, your three minutes are up. Your three minutes are up, sir. And so... I'm sitting here in this deserted auto camp... in Gallup, New Mexico. And so I'm trying to think. I'm... I'm trying to get a hold of myself. Otherwise... Otherwise, I'll go crazy. Outside, it is night. The vast, soulless night of New Mexico. A million stars are in the sky. Ahead of me, stretch a thousand miles of empty mesa and mountains, prairies, desert. Somewhere among them, he is waiting for me. Somewhere. Somewhere I shall know who he is and who I am. Here is Orson Welles. Well, next week, ladies and gentlemen, we bring to your radio another Mercury favorite. We hope a favorite of yours. You've asked for it many times. We've performed it many times. Jane Eyre. And Jane will be played by a Mercury actress who was heard tonight and has been heard so often on our shows. One of the most gifted people we know in our business, Miss Alice Frost. Jane Eyre, then, with Alice Frost and your obedient servant. That's the same time next week, same station. Please join us. Until then, speaking for my sponsors, the makers of Pabst Blue Ribbon Beer, for all of us on the Mercury Theater, including Bernard Herman, who wrote and conducted the music on this program, I remain, as always, obediently yours. <laughs> More than one half of all our nation's workers make their living in the food industry or a related field. One of the largest groups in the food industry are the grocers. Next week in Chicago, the National Association of Retail Grocers, which represents more than 500,000 retailers, is holding its first post-war convention, at which problems of food distribution will be discussed and new ideas and methods will be worked out to better serve its customers. The makers of Pabst Blue Ribbon Beer salute the grocer, who is doing his very best under trying conditions to keep America well-fed. This program came to you through the courtesy of the Pabst Brewing Company of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, makers of blended, splendid Pabst Blue Ribbon. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. All right, there you have it, the Mercury Summer Theater with a hitchhiker written by Lucille Fletcher, starring Orson Welles, along with Alice Frost. Uh, yeah, good, good episode. That was Ken Roberts doing the announcing there, sponsored by Paps Beer. And I hope you enjoyed that June 21st, 1946 broadcast. All right, time for this month in music history, right, we are Lisa? On, yes, Halloween-related songs. This is a song that you have sung to me many times. Have I? Mm-hmm. What is it? 
Because you don't look like you what recognize it. You'll figure it out. Is this Culture Club or something like it's that? It's not. Who sings this? Duran Duran. Oh, Duran Duran. You look confused. What's the name of the song? You're going to have to figure that out. Oh, Hungry Like a Wolf. There it is. Hungry Like a Wolf. No E. Right. All right, Lisa. Uh, this, uh, like a the wolf. video for this won the first Grammy Award for Best Short Form Music Video. That was 1984. Wow, really? Yeah. This this song came out in 1984? Well, that's when it won the Grammy My Award. gosh. You were 20. <laughs> Thanks, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm 20 today. Yeah, don't you? I do. I was five. <laughs> oh, my gosh, Mike. You baby. He's a baby. Yeah, those All right, days. stick around. More of Hollywood 360 coming your way. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Every October, as we celebrate Halloween, we play at least one radio show with Peter Lorre in it. He was a creepy, (laughs) he was a very creepy guy. And we have him uh, starring in the Mystery in the Air series, a short-lived series that he had on NBC. And on this particular episode, it's all about Jack the Ripper. The Lodger is the name of the program. That's coming your way in our next hour. We'll also play... Is it real or is it ridiculous? The music edition, right, Lisa? That's right. So we've gone through a lot of versions. We've done great songs. We've done bad songs. We've done mediocre songs. Today, we're doing feel-good songs. Feel-good songs. Right. Oh, okay. So I want, feel you, to, good I want you to feel song. good, Carl. Oh, thanks, Lisa. Yeah, I need to see a feel smile across the uh, console All right. here. Coming your way soon. Hi everyone, this is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me, listen now, search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform. <laughs> 